with DP, a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 25 is here of Season 2, and that means we are one week away from a full year and a half of local sports talk every single week. I appreciate you guys listening, and the support Channel 1450 is proud to bring you the best local sports coverage in Central Illinois. And as we near the holidays and the end of the calendar year, we remember those who are thankful for and have helped us throughout the year. I feel this is a great time to thank my wife and my family for their support for our long hours and countless nights away. Thank you, Aaron. Also, a big thank you to Robert and Leanna for all their hard work this year. This job isn't easy, and I appreciate all that they've done. Thank you to Kevin O'Day, the general manager of Newhoff Media Springfield, for giving Channel 1450 the freedom to do what we do. Thank you to our four presenting sponsors on Channel 1450, Springfield Clinic, United Community Bank, the Green Family Stores, and the Abraham Lincoln Capital Airport. Now, let's get to the podcast. First, what I saw last week. Second, what's coming up on Channel 1450. And finally, a very special guest this week, Chris Dewar. Last Thursday, I went to Taylorville to see some Apollo girls basketball. Chloe Froby and the Lincoln Rail Splitters beat Taylorville on their home floor. The Rail Splitters are a very good team. Froby had a quiet 27 points. She makes it look too easy. Last Friday, Sacred Heart Griffin boys basketball back at home beat Southeast easily. Another running clock win. Love them or hate them, please make sure you take some time this year to get out and see them because teams like this do not happen very often. This team is special. They are so talented. You don't want to miss the chance to see this team this season. More on that in a minute. On Saturday, I got out to Petersburg to see some wrestling. The Rex Avery invite, a ton of teams there, and a lot of local talent. It's a good measuring stick early in the season to see where guys are and know who to watch for. If you win a title here, you are a contender to get to state. Auburn's Joey Rusick, no question about that. Cole Eady as well from Auburn. SEC's Corey West gets it done, and not only does Porter win the whole thing as a team, but Briar Lane and Braden Barner win individual titles. The Blue Jays are a legit team this year in 1A. Watch out for them. On Monday... Went out to Pleasant Plains to see the Cardinals take on a team from the Central State Normal U-High. The Cardinals had no trouble with the Pioneers, who not only beat Glenwood last week, but nearly beat Springfield this week. The Cardinals have a very solid team with a good mixture of experience and young talent. TJ Frazee will have Plains a contender, not only for the Sagamo title, but they'll make a run in 2A. Watch out. On Tuesday, it was Mega Knight in Rochester, where the Rockets were hosting Sacred Heart Griffin in boys' and girls' action in the girls' game. Rochester gets the win thanks to Emma Dixon and Kaylin Reed, the two leading seniors. That two-headed monster for J.R. Berdurst has them in the lead to start the season in the conference. They also have some very young talent that's, that's pretty good. So the Rockets beat the Cyclones on the girls' side. As far as the boys go, the Cyclones had no trouble. Zach Hawkinson hits 1,000 career points. Keyshawn Singleton scored a little bit more than he usually does. And he gave us a dunk to end the highlight. Now, what's coming up on Channel 1450? Thursday, we will have Pleasant Plains at Olympia Girls Basketball and Athens at Williamsville Girls Basketball. We will also have some wrestling action from Riverton where Auburn and Taylorville and Springfield will be in attendance. On Friday, a few Central State 8 games that we will have cameras at. MacArthur at Springfield, Eisenhower at SHG, Southeast at Glenwood, and then on the girls' side, Glenwood at Southeast. That's the Friday slate that we will have. On Saturday, we will have some highlights from the Glenwood Wrestling Tournament. Next Tuesday, Glenwood takes on Lincoln, boys and girls. The girls are in Chatham. The boys are in Lincoln. We will have cameras at both. We will also have Auburn at Calvary Boys Basketball on Tuesday. Next Wednesday, it's signing day. Cooper Starks and Elijah Owens on the board. And then there's a shootout at Illinois College that starts Wednesday and ends Thursday. The schedule for Wednesday is a good one. We will have a camera there. Route at North Mac at 4 p.m. South County versus Williamsville at 530 Athens versus Lewistown at 7, and then New Berlin and Madison wrap it up at 8.30 on Wednesday night. That's a pretty solid slate. 
That's what's coming up on Channel 1450. Let's get to this week's guest because, let's be honest, that's probably why most of you are here. Chris Dewar joins me for a great conversation. I'd like to welcome in Chris Dewar to the podcast this week. Um, with Christmas coming up, it's a chance to, I, I don't know, for me, it's kind of a slower period for us. We kind of slow down a little bit before, you know, all hell breaks loose the week after Christmas. But um, I thought it'd be a good chance to just sit down and talk to you because I know you're as busy as I am, probably more. Um, and so just talk about our business and our, our side of things. Um, I know you have a, a massive following and, and do a great job in the Quincy area. So thank you for taking the time. First of all, it's, it's great to catch up with you. And usually when I see you, it's for 10 to five minutes, at, five, 10 minutes at a time. So uh, let's just sit down and talk, uh, talk shop a little bit here. Yeah, we don't, we don't often get a chance to be in the same place other than like drive by, yeah. Derek. So it is nice to, to kind of sit down and reassess and again, um, continued Great work from you guys. I mean, yeah. it's a chance for us to kind of, you know, peer over to you. Sometimes it's primer for things down the road. Yeah. You know, for people who don't know, we do an awful lot of back and forth with video sharing. Um, it's helped both of us yeah. grow our That's reach and, and be able to do that. So, um, you know, we're in an interesting time in the business. Um, as you mentioned, we're getting ready for the big Christmas rush. Uh, it seems like everything in our business is a constant crescendo into whatever's next, and the next is obviously the madness of the Christmas tournament, but, you know, it's a nice time to reflect, because I know you had a really great fall, yeah. we had a great fall on our end of things, uh, and we're kind of uniquely situated where we're covering three different states, yeah. so everything kind of culminates all at once, so had a few minutes to catch our breath, and now it's it's on to the next season, which, as you well know, is sort of the occupational hazard of this business. Right. Uh, I want to start with how we started this conversation with the last weekend, KU Mizzou. Um, we I don't remember any part <laughs> of that conversation. <laughs> Just to kind of start into your past is, is where I want to start. There, sure. Because... Um, obviously, you've been a staple in Quincy for so long, um, coming from Mizzou, but people who follow you understand how big of a fan of Sacramento you are. So I, I just God help them all. I yes, want, I want the chance to go on record and, and see how that kind of developed for you. Where, sure. where did it all come from? I, I had a mentor. I, I grew up in Sacramento, obviously, and I had a mentor who was in the business who had suggested that if you're serious about wanting to be um, in sports casting, that the University of Missouri was one of the finest journalism schools in the country, and I, at that point, I had I had started my my career and journey at the University of Southern California, which turned out to be, you know, for me a mistake. And I, for me, you know, um, Columbia was a lot more like home. It was a lot more like Northern California, California, where you know it's like two separate states. You've got Los Angeles and Southern California, Northern California, where I'm from, which is totally different. And getting to Columbia felt a lot more like home. And, you know, quite frankly, um, the classes weren't 700 people. It was like it was very intensive one-on-one -on -one experiences. And it really was a great journalistic journey for me to start there. And I was very fortunate that when I graduated, I landed in Jefferson City right out of school at a time when it was really hard to get jobs. And very talented roommates and classmates at the time at Mizzou who, who weren't getting hired. So I felt very fortunate. I, I ended up working for Rod Smith and Jeff City, who's the best in the business, which very much helped me develop a philosophy of hyper-local, which we've now had in Quincy since 1995 yeah. and you know we don't we don't use anything as you well know we don't use anything that's off network feeds everything we shoot is 100% self-generated which means it's 100% local because as you well know Derek that's what sells yeah. people care about their kids 
Um, and it's, it's more than sports. I've said for almost 30 years now, we're not in the sports business, we're in the kid business. Because that's what we're serving. We're serving young people and we're serving our community and trying every day to reflect and remind people that despite all of the bad things you hear in the first 10 minutes of a newscast, there's still a lot to be positive about in our communities. And I think sports reflects and amplifies that in such a really cool way. I mean, what are people proud of? in this day and age. Well, they're proud of their towns, they're proud of their kids, yeah. and they're proud of their schools. And so that's what we try to put, that's the energy we try to put back into the uh, into the ether every single day. To go back to Mizzou, one quick moment. Um, you talked about recommend getting recommended to go there. Um, and we have a kid working with us right now, Seth Coons, who you well know. Yes. Um, he, he very much wants to go there. And despite my hatred <laughs> for the, the sports programs, sure. I tell him, hey, there's there's nothing better. And I know this kid's going to be a star, and that's the perfect place for him. I, I hope that he has the chance to go there and experience what you did as well. Well, and, and he has a chance, I know, because there have been some great play-by-play folks who have come through there. And I know that's part of his passion as well as being able to do that. And it really is. I mean, and putting the, you know, the right rivalries and all those things aside, they do a fantastic job cultivating. And it, it's really interesting because, you know, I was there back when the dinosaurs were warming, roaming the earth, <laughs> relatively speaking, in the journalism business. Now it's they're teaching people what you do, which is really fascinating to me because you guys have come out, you've been this new wave of new journalism, and it's the future of what we do. Well, this traditional journalistic institution is now teaching what you guys are kind of creating on the spot every day since, you know, Zach Kirker started this and what you've carried on now. So everything has kind of come full circle in our business. It's really crazy. Yeah. And and I do want to ask you about that um, because, like you mentioned earlier, we are able to share a lot of our video with you and and vice versa. And like you said, that helps us tremendously. It helps you tremendously. Um, Gas being what it is today and, you know, uh, limited resources in terms of people, in terms of what we do. For us to be able to cover as many games as we can is, is huge and key and uh, so so thankful for you and being able to do that. Um, I obviously took the reins from Kerger, so how did that come about? How did the conversation come about where, because when I stepped in, you guys were already doing that? Well, I think we had decided at that point that, you know, you serve your mutual best interests. And our mutual best interests are, hey, you've got a lot of teams that our folks are interested in and there's a lot of crossover. And I think the broader the community gets, I think a lot of that stems back to the the glory days of the do or die bowl, where you know, you know, fourteen fifty was the first one that wanted to champion this cause of hey, let's bring all these football teams together and see what's what. You know, you guys hear about Hannibal and how good they are. We hear uh, you know constantly about the Rochester's and the Sacred Heart Griffins. Let's get all those kids on a field, yeah. just have some fun with it. Which I, I think started the conversation, and ever since it's like, well, how can we? help each other better the sports coverage in both markets. And quite frankly, you know, I, I know we say this, and I, I don't mean to to beat my chest or beat your chest for you, but the sports coverage here is just different. Yeah. It, people don't get this everywhere. Yeah. And, and I think to some degree, it's a wonderful thing that we've been able to spoil them. But again, resources are getting tougher. Yeah. Gas has gotten more expensive. So the more that we can all kind of band together to do that, because in the end, isn't that what it's about? It's about the product. Not you, me, whose name's on it, who did what. It's about what we're putting into the ether. And, I, you know, again, as somebody who probably frequents your stuff way more than, you know, you probably realize, it's a really good thing for me where I can turn around and kind of, 
you know, it gives me context to the rest of the things that are going on in the sports world, you know. And by the way, it's also fun when you've got a you know kid going to Quincy University next year to, to, to watch some Sacred Heart Griffin <laughs> basketball highlights and think, man, future of that Hawk program is getting a little brighter thanks to Jake. So, you know, those, those kind of things are really cool. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I know. Uh, I don't think that we're competitors by any means. I think that there is enough hunger for this content your content and our content that for us to share is, is not hurting, it's helping them. Like, I don't think there's any question that we are competitors in any by any means. Even, you know, Jacksonville Route stuff, Jacksonville Crimson stuff. Thank you to Coach Grounds for allowing us to, to meet here. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, see, I, I went to the... <laughs> You guys were a godsend. You know, when this first started off, I always have felt sort of guilt about the margins of the viewing area because we've had some really good teams, you know, and when I was coming through, those were the, the salad days of the Mark Rounds teams with the, you know, the Les Hammers and the Brian Andersons, and they weren't getting enough coverage. Yeah. And and when you guys came on the scene, it was like, well, I, I don't have, and, and because you set a, a tempo, uh, you know, a template and an example of covering Jacksonville, it was suddenly like, well, I don't have to, with limited resources, try to get over there all the yeah. time. They're being served. So I always looked at it as, hey, you've broadened the canvas for everybody. And, you know, that's the fun thing. And now with the, you know, with the idea of Quincy Notre Dame and Jacksonville playing a rivalry football game every year, I get to come back and loop back in to see some of the great Jacksonville stuff that I always love covering. So um, for me, you know, again, I, I don't know that it's ever been about Kirker, it's ever been about you, it's ever been about me. It's been about what's the best stuff that we can put out there. Right. And if we help each other out, I mean, I don't care, again, there's no competition in it for us because everybody's numbers are really good, which goes to reflect that everybody has kind of found their unique niche within this market. Right. And I don't think, you know, people talk about, like, say that the SJR is our competitor or whatever, and I disagree. I want writers at every game that we're at because it help, not only does it help us, but it, like you said earlier, it shines a light on not only what these kids are doing, what the coaches are doing, the time that they spend, the communities, the, the stories are there. And... Yes, our medium is different than the, the SJRs or, you know, TVs, but there's plenty to go around. I don't think that there's any question about that. Well, it, what's important is that we all feed and live off of a culture yeah. that exists here. And without that culture, and, and we know some of the changes that have come down in journalism. Newspapers are taking a big hit. Television stations are starting to downsize. That culture has to survive. And, you know, the more that somebody is in that culture telling stories, every kid's a story. You can't tell every kid's story. I can't tell everybody kid, every kid's individual story. But if enough of us are out there telling stories, a lot of those great stories get into the ether and people learn more. And I think that keeps the culture vibrant and alive. So the more the merrier, in fact, when, you know, we're doing this, it helps a ton in, in terms of, again, the end game isn't, you know, what our egos might be or want to be. It's what, you know, what we've done to be out there being advocates and, ad, you know, being advocates for young people and saying, hey, your journey proves that if you learn these very important life lessons through sports, that perseverance will get you through anything, um, then, you know, that's the end game. We're producing better adults through this whole thing. So I always looked at it big picture. I mean, for me, again, the more positive energy, the more better stories we're putting out there, Derek, I think the better the world gets. Yeah. And that benefits us all. Going back to you get your first job in Jefferson City um, as a, a young adult in this industry, uh, obviously times have changed and, you know, the, the way, like you said, the way you do things have changed a little bit. Um, 
but what what do you kind of wish you could tell yourself at that point about you know the industry and what your goals were because i'm sure it wasn't you know to be the guy in quincy for for their never never in a million years (laughs) thought that was going to happen you know and like like everybody else you know at that time i think everybody was thinking you you're trying to go to ESPN. You're trying for me go back to Sacramento and cover the Kings or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I learned fairly organically, and I think I just tell myself now and reaffirm it. Hey, just look for the best situation to cover sports. Doesn't matter what the market size is. Doesn't matter because I didn't know that going into the journey. Yeah. You know, I was very fortunate to land my first job in Quincy as a sports director. Um, I went in, I remember driving through West Quincy, which isn't exactly the best welcome mat to, you know, the fair gem city. It's, uh, it's not your best first impression, let's just say, of Adams County or of, of Quincy. But I remember driving in and thinking, well, they're going to have to pay me a lot of money to work here. They didn't, and I'm still working <laughs> they here. Don't pay so, away. no. But it was like, once you got attached to the culture... It was like I, I had a couple of different job interviews down the road in really big markets, like Knoxville, Paducah, places to kind of advance. And I'd get there, and I'd interview, and they'd offer me the job. And I realized, well, they want me to do sports for two minutes. There's no built-in culture here. They don't care. Yeah. They're just looking for somebody to fill a spot. They're not looking for somebody to, to be a steward to the culture that exists. Yeah. And, I mean, as you well know, with, with Blue Devil basketball, and I'm just using that in, you know, as, a specific, yeah, as a specific <laughs> example, you know, that's not just a basketball game. That's the gathering place for a community yes. every single Friday and Saturday night. It's more than basketball. It's a community coming together for a, for a shared interest. And as we well know, in a world that's so politicized and angry all the time, the number of places that you get together that you're in commonality with your fellow man, they, they've shrunk in this world. Yeah. So having that and, and being able to be a part of that has just been... I've never felt like I wanted to move on. And I, I think to some degree, Derek, as, as part of that, I was lucky enough that when I was coming up in the business, somebody told me, viewers are smart. They'll know if you're genuine or not. So if you get into this job and you're trying to use it as a stepping stone, people will smell that ambition on you and they won't ever gravitate to you. So where you're at is your home. It may be your home for six months if you want it that, that way, or it may be, for my case, 30 years, but you better treat it every single day like it's your home and it matters to you because it matters to them. And I think that's always been the overarching philosophy that we've brought to the table that's kept me in Quincy. It's like, I know there's not better out there. I've been to bigger markets and you know heard better names or whatever in terms of television stations, but nothing is better than the situation I have. And until it is, I don't ever want to leave. It's a... Uh... It's a business that, like you said, it's maybe six months, it's maybe two-year contracts type of thing. So at what point did you say, hey, this is where I want to raise my family, this is where I want to be, like you said, ingrained in the community and be... It took me two of those interviews and proven to myself that when you go to a bigger market, the teleprompter isn't in Cyrillic, it's not a harder job. It's essentially the same job. Yeah. Uh, you work less, which I hate. You know, they have photographers and they have guys <laughs> right. that go out. And, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah, exactly. If I don't have a camera on my shoulder and, you know, my scalp, it used to be my hair, but my scalp on fire, I'm not going to be happy because you get addicted to the adrenaline rush of this business. So uh, I, I think after proving to myself that I could work just about anywhere, it was like, well, I have the anywhere I want. And it's until something ever comes along better, then I'm not leaving. And for four years, maybe I thought that. And after year five, I knew this was kind of going to be as long as they'd have me, I was going to stay. And, you know, to this day, I wake up every morning and I still love what I do and I still love where I do it. And there's something great about having any job that gives you that sense of self-satisfaction every single day when you get up. 
I, I love Mondays. And a lot of people can't say this in this world because Mondays get to start building something new again. That's very true. Very true. Um, so for people who don't know or follow KHUA or aren't in that market, um, they maybe don't know that you have a, what is it, a half an hour show on Saturdays? Half an hour show on Saturdays. It's totally local. And for people in Springfield, for people in Decatur, for people in Champaign, you know, like you said, you usually get two to three minutes every night, and then maybe Fridays for football and basketball, you get a seven-minute block or an eight-minute block. And um, how did that evolve for you? How did you make that happen for, uh, like you said, a business that doesn't care? Well, what you do is you find a way to monetize it for the people who need it to be monetized yes. for. Yeah. If people are making money off what you do, you can sell them just about any concept you want, including a 30-minute <laughs> Saturday night show that's your favorite thing to do in the world every yeah. week. But they're making money off of it, which means there's an audience for it, which, you know, again, I think speaks to this area and this region is that, you know, a lot of these markets around us have really vibrant sports cultures. And, you know, you guys, us, we've all been smart enough to tap into them. And because of that, that's a money-making source for our employers. And let's face it, the be-all, end-all for them is, how can we monetize this? How do we make money? The be-all, end-all for all of us can be whatever we want at that back end of it. So the philosophy of doing hyper-local sports has actually proven to be a money-maker for people who, you know, in this business traditionally, when I got into this business, the business was supposedly dying. We're not doing sports anymore because guys were doing nothing but echoing and parroting what was already on ESPN. So when when you give people their children, when that's the product that you're giving them, there's an insatiable appetite for that, and there's a chance to make money off that. So I think that's how all of that works. And I don't know that it works in other markets like this. You have to have that love for sports that exists, you know, Quincy, Springfield, you know, Hannibal, to some degree in Peoria as well. I mean, those are the things that kind of have to happen. When you come up with that concept and, you know, you're developing that, what how did that come about? Like, how did you not only, like you said, you have to sell it, but what was the idea behind, okay, we're going to do 30 minutes, and how often do you do those 30 like, it's not obviously 52 days a year, or 52 right. weeks a year. Well, I think, first of all, the first thing I discovered was that was the easiest show of the week because you weren't fighting time constraints <laughs> like you are on a Tuesday night when you've got 97 games and four minutes to fill. Yeah. You know, it, that was the fun part of the first part of it. The, a lot of the, the genesis for overtime was that first Saturday in playoff football. Okay. It's like, I want to be 15 places, and I can because I have people out there doing it, and I want to give these games real coverage, not here's two highlights and move on. You know, so, which is kind of the neat thing about what you do is you have this unlimited canvas in terms of the time that you can show a game. Um, So that was kind of my conceit to being able to do that, was to run longer run times on games and longer highlights and give people a more in-depth feel rather than just the video that shows we were there. You know, so... um, and that has gone on year-round, essentially, or at least nine months of the year. We, yeah. we shut it down for summer, but there's an appetite for that during baseball and softball and you know basketball and football, so it all kind of works for us, and it becomes a self-sustaining type of thing. What's been the scariest Saturday at 10 o'clock that you said, uh-oh? Well, you know, one of the things that, you know, one of the great things about small market television is you learn pretty quickly something will invariably always go wrong. Yeah. And I have burned many, many times in my career by something going wrong. Fortunately for me, I'm old enough that most of that happened before YouTube came around yeah. and people were putting videos of, you know, all the disaster sports casts on the air. So I didn't have to relive any of my worst moments. Um, but, 
you know, I, I think there, there, there have been a lot of times where you've gone, oh, nothing's working. And I actually had this conversation with one of my, uh, one of my staffers this week. I said, what was the lesson of this week? Because we had video that didn't pop in. I said, when you're out there, again, it's being genuine. If people know that you're kind of burning, let them in on the secret that you're having a bad day at work, yeah. that nothing's going right, and you got to make fun of yourself a little bit. you got to be self-effacing and self-deprecating when it comes to that stuff because, like all of us, we're all at the mercy of computers, we're all at the mercy of technology. And, and, and yes, <laughs> we, we may have done everything right, and we can still look like idiots at the flip of a switch. So you better, you better have a sense of humor about yourself if you want to be in this business. Yeah, and... Um, like you, you talked about it earlier and kind of the, the changing of the media and how Mizzou is teaching things differently and they have to I mean the, the way that it's gone for you for 30 years I'm sure it's like night and day from what you learned in a textbook now to what they're learning on computers every single day what where do you see how do you how have you seen that develop and not only develop, but how have you embraced it? Well, you have to embrace change because it's coming. And I, I think that's the great thing about this industry is the technology has changed things. It used to be that we had to physically put tapes on airplanes to get them places. Mm. Now you and I can trade video clips at the click of a computer button, which is an amazing change in the way and the dynamics of how we do business. Um, I used to hate the idea of having to have a cell phone. Because I, I, why do I want people tracking me around all day? Maybe I don't want to take phone calls. Now we live on this thing with social media. Yeah. Social media defines kind of how we frame our day and how our coverage gets out to people. If it's not out on Twitter, it didn't happen. And, and you've seen the way things have changed. I know, you know, historically in the business of news, there are like these key moments. The Kennedy assassination, uh, the Iraq war where CNN came into focus. Well, if you think about it, the death of Osama bin Laden was the first real social media moment because everybody learned about that from their social media. So think about how much that's changed everything in the game and how much we're all trying to scramble in our businesses to incorporate it and to, to master this and yet still stay relevant in a time and place where nobody does appointment television anymore. They can DVR it. They watch it at their time. They skip the newscast and just watch it off TV on your computer. So. Everything is a constant rethinking of, hey, how are we responding to what's happening? But I think that's the key in any business, regardless of what you're doing, is to be able to answer the call when the ground underneath your feet shifts. Because it's constantly shifting. And it shifted for all of us. It shifted for all of us in the pandemic. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that was, I mean, I know you guys did a ton of great work in the pandemic without really any sports to happen. Yeah. We went back and re we tried, I thought we as a, as a station stayed on brand about as well as anybody. I didn't go home and sit on my couch or do anything from home. I just basically started telling the stories I was always telling, but from the back end. Okay, for years and years and years, we've done the student athlete of the week and told you about what these kids wanted to do. Let's go back and find these kids that have grown into adults, accomplished their dreams, done some amazing things. I mean, like Dustin Jacoby, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Triopia kid who's fighting in the UFC. Yeah. And, but but it wasn't just pro sports examples. It was people who had their jobs in, you know, we talked to a New York Times bestselling author mm -hmm. and somebody who was running, you know, athletic departments and colleges. And, and we went back and told the story from the back end front. And it was like, we, we stayed on our brand. Right. So everything in this world is adaptation. And I think that's, if you don't have that skill, you're not going to be successful in this business or any business very long. You said people want the local stories because that's what they connect to. That's what they, not only, I mean, like you said, good or bad, this is the good part of, of the news, right or wrong. And uh, so how did you 
make sure to, to continue to adapt because as a sports director for a TV station, your job is to make sure that the, that newscast goes out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to necessarily post all these stories on Facebook. You don't have to necessarily do all that stuff. So how have you seen that evolve and why have you made sure to embrace all that? I think some of that is a fear that started with this business that it was dying and I didn't want it to die. And as somebody who grew up wanting to do this you know, almost my entire life, I feel like every day I'm on that front battle line of trying to keep what I do relevant in the changing face of everything else because it matters. I mean, it, you know, it matters to me because I was somebody who, you know, played football. And when I played football, somebody was nice enough one day to put me in the local weekly paper way back in the day, and everything that I felt like I had done as a, you know, an invisible offensive lineman in that moment felt validated in a way that never went away for me. That I felt like that's my calling in this world is to validate young people who are working to know that somebody sees what they're doing and then with a few kind words, maybe that makes them realize they're capable of anything in this world. So um, it's always felt like a war to me, but like a positive war, one you're fighting to try to make the best avenue you can through this business. So you have to adapt, and you know that's part of it. And you know, the older you get, the harder that becomes. But at this point, you can't you can't do that because this business changes so fast. And like you said, because. It change, Facebook changes literally how you can post stuff every single week, it seems like. Let exactly. Alone, let alone how the landscape of, of media is covered. Um, you talked about it earlier, so I want to go back to the the goal when you go to journalism school or the goal when you say, hey, I want to be a sportscaster was always ESPN because they were the king. Um, I feel like the, not only has TV changed, has the internet changed, has everything that we watch on our phones changed. Um, do you think that that's helped increase not only the the jobs that are out there but also the ideas and the way that you can tell stories because it's not just i mean i don't feel like the goal is for everyone to get on espn anymore it's i want to do this for fox news or i want to do a youtube channel and and there's so many different places now that you can be a sportscaster that you can you know shoot highlights or tell stories that um that the journalism call it that <laughs> You still need the ethics there, but at the same time, that idea has changed so much and there's so many different possibilities now. Well, and it's changed all of journalism, not just sports journalism, and the way that people approach it, the way that I learned it is now different than the way that, you know, it seems to be playing out in the in the major media, which I know causes consternation for people both on the right and left, and it should, because it's not the brand of journalism that I think was held up as the shining example of yeah. what we were all aspiring to be when we went this route, but... You know, you touched on it with kind of how we approach journalism and what we're trying to do with it. And I don't think the core tenets of that, at least for me, ever changed. It was always, hey, this is the mission. The mission writ large being put good energy back into your community. Sometimes that's telling great stories. Sometimes that's calling your your community or some part of your community on the carpet for something that's going wrong and something bad that's happening. I think that's the core value and tenet that remains out of all of it. Um, you talk, You touched on ESPN. I, you know, for me, um, I got very lucky early on when you're at Mizzou, when you're at KOMU, you have an unlimited budget. So we were covering the Chiefs, yeah. and we were covering the Cardinals, and we were doing all these great things, and I discovered pretty quickly, pro sports wasn't for me. It just, as much as that sounded like the fantasy in doing it, you know, pro athletes don't want to deal with you. 
less so now, and now they're you know seizing their own narratives with things like the Players Tribune and the different ways that they can put their own message out into the world with social media. It was just it never felt like that resonated the same way the first time I did a story that impacted a community positively. And you get addicted to that. I mean, you get addicted to being along for the ride. You get addicted for knowing that like what you did with Sacred Heart Griffin. The story of the end game of Ken Leonard is going to be something that is the soundtrack to people's memories for the rest of their lives. And there's a certain power in that that goes well beyond, hey, I know this pro athlete. I mean, it's more resonant that way and has always been for me. So I figured out pretty quickly, you know, based on that, that that wasn't my avenue. My avenue was to stay local and to, to have an impact and try to have an impact daily. And, you know, to do my own thing, not to respond to what the mores of the day are. I mean, you, people screaming at each other on ESPN in the, in the cause celeb of debate. It's, right. you know, that's not sports to me. Sports to me is having a conversation over a beer with somebody, whether it's about, you know, Mizzou in Kansas or it's about, hey, who would win a game between Bowling Green and Sacred Heart Griffin in football this year? So that, to me, is what I've always enjoyed and prized about this. And regardless how everything else changes in the world, that's not going to change for me. For you and how successful you've been in this industry and, and what you've accomplished, I want to ask this question, and I think I know the answer, but I want to get your response to it. Um, I've done this for only five years. You've done it for way more than that. And people ask me why... Why is Channel 1450 successful? Why why were you able to survive the pandemic? Why how how did you like why does it work? And my simple answer is relationships yeah. with, with coaches, with communities, with with players. Um, you have to have that trust, and that's not always easy in the media. Sure, but you also have to have, like you said, conversations. You have to spend that extra twenty minutes at practice where those kids see that you're not just there to get something and get out. You have to. It's relationships to me. It's it's being able to answer that coach's phone call just to talk about something that's happening that's not even a story. Um, what what are your thoughts? I, I totally agree with you. And, and the relationships that we're having um, with coaches in particular, those are relationships with, with teachers as well and people who are in charge of kind of ushering in that next generation of us. So I'm always really mindful of the fact that they have a really hard and important job in our world, and a job that seems to have more and more been undercut over the courses of the years by criticism and people who don't understand the world is different for high school coaches than it is for college or NFL coaches. So I, I tend to be fiercely protective of those relationships and those people. Um, and I, I think that's part of it. I also think the reason that you're successful, the reason I'm successful, is we're passionate about what we do. And passion makes people magnetized to you. It gravi- they gravitate towards passion. I mean, I always use the example when I'm talking to people about finding your passion in this world. You know, Steve Irwin you know, ran around and grabbed crocodiles by their tails and you know, messed with poisonous snakes, but we couldn't stop watching because we knew he loved what he did. It's the same reason that Dick Vitale has survived for years. People who are passionate about what they do tend to bring people to the table, even about things you wouldn't think you were passionate for. It's one of the reasons I've always loved documentary filmmaking, it, you know, especially sports documentaries. Right. The things that I see in this world that I didn't think I had an interest in, that you can make me have an interest in, that's a, that talent and the skill in this world, and it's usually based on nothing more than a passionate idea about something you want to espouse. So I think that's still a play at what you guys do every day. I, I know the fact with all the stuff that you're doing, and every day that you're going out there, you you can't fake that passion, otherwise people would know you're a phony and a fraud. You, you know, you're out there doing what you want to do. People know that you want to be talking to young people and that you enjoy the interplay, lest you wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. 
the, the, the passion discussion, um, not only for what we do, um, leads into the conversation that I want to have with you about how many hours a week you work. Um, and I want to start the conversation by saying you have, and I definitely do, have a supportive wife, have a supportive family that says, I understand that you would go crazy if you had a nine to five. I understand that you have to do, like, you. they can tell that the passion is there. Um, so definitely want to first just thank my wife for that. But to say, to do what we do isn't a nine to five. It isn't 40 hours a week. Because if it was 40 hours a week, we'd be done on Monday night probably. Right. It's just the way it is. Um, so to have that passion and to have the understanding and to have the, the family backing behind is is absolutely key in this business. Well, you, you you said supportive. I would use the word sainted in yes. you know the cases yes. of our wives because you know they knew what they were in for. And to this day, you know, sometimes being in that position through no fault of your own is getting caught at the supermarket, having to listen to your husband talk sports when you thought it was your Sunday and yeah. you were simply going to pick up you know some vegetables and something to barbecue tonight. You so can't just go out to dinner and have you, a nice you can't. And the, the trip to Walmart. Don't even get me started <laughs> on that. It's you know, it becomes its own circus. So yeah. I I mean, I think a lot of that is, and I think that's all of us. Behind everybody who's you know successful at what they do, you have to have a great support system. And you know, for me, it's it's nice because when I go home to my wife, she understands the business, and she can. And when something goes wrong, I can explain it to her. And she's been around long enough to know, okay, these are the right things to say. And when to you know also say, hey, you're feeling sorry for yourself, get back at it. So. Uh, and I think we all need that sometimes. We all need a kick in the backside sometimes. We all need a punch in the jaw sometimes. We all need a hug sometimes yeah. in this business or whatever. So you're you're right. I mean, I, I think, you know, if you want to be good at something, it, there's, there's a sweat equity investment. And, you know, because I'm sort of crazy, you know, I, I don't even know what the word is. You know, I, I don't know. I just have this weird thing where if I'm not working, I'm not happy. Right. And, you know, and I'm, a, I'm an obsessive. So it's it that helps me be very successful, but I've also started to learn later in life when to draw back on that obsessiveness about what it is I do and what my passions are. And you know, fortunately for me, I don't have any hobbies. I don't have anything else that I'm good at. So my job has become my hobby. You know, someday I'm going to retire, and then I'm going to go. Well, what's next? Because I'm a lousy golfer, and I don't really have any other interests. So I better do this until I die, I guess. Yeah. You talk about you know making sure that you step away and. Uh, making sure that you have that time and you can obviously see it with your your grandson and just how much joy that brings you and I'm definitely experiencing that now with um, Parker's three and Mason's uh, 15 months and it's like I have to allow myself a su- the Sunday or yes. I have to allow myself um, and that's the great thing about this job too is I get to spend a lot of days with them sure even though the nights aren't there and that's just you there know, has to be sacred time you have to make sure that you have that balance so what advice would you give someone I mean coming out of college you you don't care about anything else you're right. saying I want to try to do as much as I can and say this is this is my job so I'm going to dive completely into it and then you get a family and then you get all these things or you lose relationships with your friends and it's like hey you have to decide what what advice would you kind of give someone in that situation find the right balance yeah. and know that that's going to be hard and know that's going to be a constant evolution for you and again I think some sacred time is is important um, I didn't do that at first, and you know, I, I, I never burned out, but I, I paid for it. And now I've learned that you know what? Sometimes the best part of your week is a Friday night football game, 
But sometimes the best part of your week is like I spent an hour yesterday playing PJ Masks with a three-year-old, you know, bouncing around going, I'm Catboy for, 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 for 30 minutes. So sometimes that's the best. And, you know, grandparenthood has taught me a lot of things that I think I, I, I didn't even learn as a parent myself. Yeah. So um, it's nice to have that now vantage point. And I'm a young enough grandparent where I can run around and bounce around and be crazy pop-pop, which has been fun as well. So that is sort of the safe place, and that is sort of my point of renewal. And I think that's the other thing. you got to have a point of renewal every week that makes you, away from the job, um, appreciate everything else in life and then return to your normal craziness right that and that's what i kind of wanted to pick your brain about because like you said you maybe realize more now with having a grandson and i just don't want to make sure that i'm missing out anything with my kids who are still at that age yeah don't and i would say draw the line have things that you absolutely swear you're not going to miss regardless of what's going on in the sports world yeah. i didn't do enough of that early on i got that later when my kids were getting older and things got more important. And, you know, the first time I blew off, um, you know, a, a Friday night to do something to go watch my daughter dance or my son act and be in musicals, who's, by the way, a teacher here at Jacksonville High School yeah. now, um, you know, was the first time I realized, hey, this is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, the world will survive if that one last football game didn't get covered. So sometimes you've got to... You've got to be able to couch your obsessive nature. It's it, it both has been really good for me, that obsessive nature, but at times it's also been my undoing. So I've tried to learn to balance it, and that's the biggest thing, I guess, is just coming back to that concept of balance. Right, because, I mean, for the longest time, and I'm still not convinced that you don't have a clone that's just running your Twitter all the time. <laughs> because I just don't understand how you not only do that, all those things, but just able to cover so yeah, well if you are following me on twitter <laughs> i do apologize for every single one of my sacramento kings obsessive <laughs> tweets so i do apologize for that if people follow me they understand that the kansas ones come with the territory as well yes hey i guess that's part of it it is what it is oh uh, i want to finish with this um with waverly tournament coming up and, and holiday tournaments coming up um i just want to pick your brain on what what are a few things every year that that you say, I'm going to make sure to get to that. I don't want to miss that because Waverly is, was one of them for me. Um, the Illinois Wrestling State Championship Grand March is, is one of them for me. Uh, so I want to ask you, what's what's a few things that you make sure that you are there for? Well, I, I love to eat. The good folks at Waverly take really good care of us in the hospitality. <laughs> That's also one of my favorite gyms in the world. And I try every year you know, to make it a point to get to, to every tournament during, you know, Christmas at one point or another. Um, Waverly's one of my favorites. My very favorite tournament of all is the Winchester Invitational every year. Yeah. That first day at Winchester where you've got those games um, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and you're up there in that little band box <laughs> up top looking over the court. And it's, it's been such great basketball over the oh, last man. couple of years yeah. with, the, with the growth of those teams and, you know, the great job that Ryan Seasting's done at West Central and, you know, how good route is and, you know, just just been fun to do that but you know I, I i can't give you any one specific thing because i can wake up every single day and find a reason to be excited about my job yeah. you know there's something that i get to do that isn't putting files in a file cabinet that i go man i get to go watch abby shrek tonight yeah. and she'll be at mizzou next year i get to go watch danny stevens and maybe he'll drop 52 points again because South <laughs> southeastern has been unreal so it's just yeah. like Every single day, I'm pretty cognizant of that. And, you know, we all are running on a finite number of shows and a finite number of days we get to work. So I try to be constantly in the moment and appreciative of the fact that, hey, I'm here and I'm getting to watch this. And that is a true privilege. That's made this job a joy every single day. Awesome. I appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. Good, sir. Keep up the great work, my friend. Huge thank you to Chris for his time and great insight, of course. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. (laughs) 